0: Hey everybody, uh, welcome back to Peach Pit and you know, welcome back to our regularly scheduled programming. I think we've had a couple of interesting episodes. So before we get started, we're going to have to make the usual disclaimer. Any views or opinions shared on this show are solely that of the individual contributor and do not reflect the views of Peach Pit, any FRC team first, Georgia first, or any of their affiliates and sponsors. So them, you want to give us an introduction?
1: Yeah, so for those of you who haven't seen this show before, the idea behind this show is to serve as an FRC talk show that focuses primarily on the Peachtree District. We're going to be talking about a variety of topics, so don't be surprised if you see us drop some hot takes. Ultimately, we're just hoping to provide some entertaining and engaging discussion for the community. So with that, my name is Anupam Goli. I'm the head coach for Team
2: 1746 Auto. I'm Kellen Hill, uh, lead mentor for 1746 Auto.
0: I am Sonny, I'm a retired FRC mentor and an FRC enthusiast. Right? Before we get into Gainesville Review, those of you watching at home might notice we have something new, some, somebody new on the panel with us. Uh, Thomas, you wanna give yourself an introduction here? Um,
3: hello, I'm Thomas, I'm a 1746 alumni. I was, my senior year I was the business operations lead as well as uh, the best human player in the state. Um, <laughs> and I'm currently in my first year of college at Kennesaw State University. I'm majoring in accounting because um, engineering is not fun when you do it for, for a real job. Uh, that's pretty much right.
0: it. Yep, thank you very much. We haven't gotten in trouble for anything we've said yet. Let's, let's keep that street <laughs> going, if you don't mind. All right, so we're going to jump right into it with the Gainesville results, right? The winners mm-hmm. of Gainesville were 6919, the Commodores, 4188, Columbus Space Program, and 6829, Ignite Robotics. The finalists were 4189, what are they? The Chargers. the Chargers. The Chargers, that's right, 1746. Auto. Oh those scrubs. <laughs> those yeah, scrubs. 5651. The
1: Robojags.
0: The Robojags. All right, and the Chairman's Award went to Team 1648, G3 Robotics, and the Engineering Inspiration Award went to 6919, the Commodores. So that's actually a great segue. 6919 kind of cleaned up. At Gainesville again. Again, that's two the years word. in a row <laughs> that they got
1: a gold and a the that's two years in a row they won and got EI. Yeah, so number
2: one seed winners and EI. That's uh, as impressive as it gets for that early of a the showing. They're building quite the program down there.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it's I think when you see a team come out this early, I think the question that a lot of people have is you know can they keep it up right? Will they be able to sustain that competitive advantage that they have right now what do you guys think
3: um i definitely think this year they should be able to sustain it if last year at their gainesville performance they were largely carried by they had the most consistent climb at the event and that's what won them the event and they you know 1747 came from indiana and i think this year their robot if they're able to keep improving at the level on which you know we all expect them to improve they should be you know joining the other four to become the fifth top team in the state and joining 1102, 02, 49
2: 10, 29 74, and 17 46 in that group. So I th- and I think this kind of now that we've seen a bit of action, uh, we still have uh, plenty to learn uh, about how no bag is going to influence this build season because while we've seen an event, we haven't seen a team play twice yet, which is going to be the biggest indicator of how that no bag period is going to help teams out. in – building on additions to the robot, how they're going to improve throughout the season. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where 69-19 goes with it.
0: Yeah, and I think if you looked at some of the other teams that were at the event, and we'll talk about them a little more in detail, you, you can kind of see the roadmap that they have to follow. So when they started, they had a great three-ball autonomous, very consistent, right? I think when they go to their next event, which is Albany, so probably not necessarily Albany, but definitely district championships, they're going to need to do maybe a little more than that three-ball autonomous. Yeah. When they were shooting, they were okay. When they were intaking, they were okay. Definitely enough for Gainesville. But I don't think what they fielded at Gainesville is going to cut it at Mr. Championship.
1: Like, they have that sweet spot in the autonomous, but, like, something we noticed was that they had that one sweet spot and they weren't as good from a protected zone. So when we had 40, 4189 in us, we discussed this, and 4189 started playing defense, and that kind of dropped their ball output because they had less experience shooting from a protected zone.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Albany will be kind of interesting when we do get there because as good as they were at Gainesville, you know, with no bag, they're going to be a little bit better at Albany. I think what's also going to be interesting is sixty nine nineteen is a force down at Albany, right? So I think they've been helping that, that, that region's development. So I think it'll be interesting to see what Albany teams start coming up with. Right? Like, are we going to... Hopefully we'll see more everybots, but do we see even more teams start shooting, even more teams at that sixty nine nineteen caliber? Right.
1: I think I hope to see a lot of good climbs out of there. That was what sixty nine nineteen was really good at. Just the past two years has been that climb. Mm-hmm. And this year was no exception. Yeah. Just it was I think the most consistent at Gainesville. I don't have the stats in front of me, but mm-hmm. that's I essentially got, got them that number one seed. Yeah. And they just, here, if you see at this example, they just pull off a double climb like that with 41.88. They practice that, and they just use that to get their way to finals.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so moving on from the Commodores, we're going to move on to 41.88. So after, I think it's fair to say last season was a bit of an offseason for them, right? Um, but they're back on top. They're back in the winner's circle at Gainesville. Uh, what did you guys see from Columbus this year, or at uh, Gainesville specifically?
2: Off to a quick start, um, talking to some of their mentors. I think they got their robot completed by end of, or end of week five or earlier just to get some drive practice time. Biggest evidence uh, this past weekend of how that time uh, benefited them was coming out with a real quick Auton that got them ahead in the match real quick. Yeah
0: any other comments from the other side um,
3: personally i don't think their strategy is going to acclimate them to long term success unless they're able to really speed up the how fast they're able to shoot from that long range mm-hmm. um, just cuz i think it was evident when they played 1746 that 1746 was just able to outcycle both them and 16919 at the same time with them just doing their long shot and unless that is sped up we're going to see them just getting overtaken by all the teams that are cycling yeah, um, and their intake left for more to be desired, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I definitely get the mentality behind long range, because you can, like, speed up your cycle times, right? You're going to have to drive all the way to the edge of the trench or all the way to the other side of the field. But when it takes them longer than that to line up, to do shots, to adjust, and, and I think they only shot, like, three balls at a time.
3: Yeah. And, like, my thought. And yeah. they were not even able to get the three ball from there, so it's just twos. Yeah. So it's...
0: So I was... I was watching them and I got the mentality and I think they had a game plan. I, I was getting frustrated watching them do, the, do that long shot. right? Because I think, I think they can be so much better at the closer shot, they can shoot faster, they can do you know, larger cycles. Um, so hopefully we see them maybe pivot at their next event, so which is gonna be in, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after at Columbus.
2: Yeah, I think that has some interesting strategy implications uh, as well as scouting implications for uh, who you're, what teams you're most compatible with. Um, figuring out where your sweet spots are, where everybody else's sweet spots are, and making sure you have kind of dedicated zones to play in. That you're not overlapping each other, but you're also playing, each playing your most efficient game possible.
0: I didn't see Columbus do much close shooting or any trench shooting. I think they were almost exclusively doing the long-range shot.
3: Well, they shot from the trench and autonomous, so it was a little weird for me that they. It was almost like they were too scared to have to go because they can't go under the trench, mm-hmm. that to go through the um, rendezvous point. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to do that cycle for some reason, and I, it, you know, it. It looked to me that they just had a. Weak drive base because they also got pushed around in the elimination matches when teams were able to, you know, try and prevent them from climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if that's the case, that that's even more scary because them having to shoot from that location will not allow them to be able to play with teams like 1746, who their strength is to go through that trench. Yeah. And if 4188 is just sitting there, then 1746 cannot play to their strength anymore.
1: I think if they want to keep that shot in the trench, they have to one, like, speed up their shot. Two, make it more consistent and three, be able to intake quickly. Yeah. So we'll see if they can get all those all three of those working by Columbus. But if you wanna be in that position at all times you don't wanna like do go across the rendezvous point, you have to make sure that you're as quick as possible at that position.
0: Yeah. And I don't think they're ha- I don't think they're gonna have a huge amount of trouble at Columbus, right? That's not to say that you can't have a team emerge and ultimately challenge them, but you know, I think they have to look to the bigger picture. I think they have to look to the district championship. And to your point about compatibility, I think it's really hard for me to gauge whether or not 4180 is compatible if they're only doing those long range shots, right? Because then you get the doubts that Thomas mentioned, like, oh, is their dry base not strong enough? Are they scared to use their intake? What's really going on here, right? So even if they do get the long range shot working perfectly, right, down every time, I think they have to... I think they have to show off some of that aggressiveness, right, to to say, you know, hey, second best team or the best team, depending on where they're positioned, we are good. We're good long range, we're good short range, we're good under defense. And I think they haven't proved that yet.
1: Well, so I think that their autonomous mode will carry them far. But if they want to make – if they want to win, especially at an event as, like, Well, they're going to be at Columbus. They're not coming to Carrollton. But if they want to win at an event stacked like district championships, they're going
0: to need to have more than just that trick up their sleeve. Yeah. And I think just to mention real quick, because we never explicitly said it, 4188 does have a six-ball autonomous, like, by themselves. So they don't need to be fed. So they shoot their three. And then they go into the trench with like a very nice path, and they pick up three more. And then from the trench, they they typically make three like those three that they pick up.
2: Yeah, it was yeah. remarkably consistent when they they ran it. So it was, I think that shows. Obviously, they felt for, strategy purposes that there was some benefit to taking that long shot. But mm-hmm. with those shots as evidence, they obviously can shoot shoot from uh, multiple locations with some decent accuracy.
0: Yeah, and it was it was really impressive because I don't think we've seen very many teams come out in Gainesville and show that kind of offensive prowess, right? I think typically the team that sort of hits hard right at the beginning is like 49-10, but they do it at Dalton. Yeah. So to see 4188 come out of the gate like literally shooting like that was was really impressive. Yeah. Mhm. Alright, so that's Columbus space program. We're going to see them again in about a week and a half at the Columbus qualifier. Next up is 1746. I kind of wish there was somebody on this panel who wasn't on 1746 or an alumni so that we could have a discussion. But um, I'll just read through what, I, what, what we wrote down here and we can start talking. 1746 struggled early, you know, surprise, surprise. As usual. Yeah. Um, I hate that
1: PCH Informer is just so accurate about that. Yeah? Yeah. All right,
0: good to know. All right, um, but eventually once it got warmed up, they had some pretty incredible shooting. And the questions I have here is, you know, can anyone else really compete even though it's very early? You know, what do you guys think? And they weren't really picked, you know, they were picked by the third seed, right, 4189. Um, so that means the first seed and the second seed both were like, nah, I think we're going we're gonna to go with other people. But, you know, What do you guys think happened there? So you know, choose your question, choose your comment.
1: Let's go. So that's where if I was the one seed, um, I had the choice between 4188's consistent six-ball Auton and Climb, even though they didn't have the ball volume, or 1746, who in the last like, two matches of qualis put up Relatively astronomical numbers of balls compared to the rest of the competition, um, so I think they took the safe bet and
0: went for the climber and the six-ball auton routine. Which, hindsight being 2020, it worked. For
1: yeah. yeah,
2: obviously yeah. paid yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, I think in this context, it's worth mentioning the 1746 did not win; they were finalists, right? Yeah. So they did ultimately lose to the first seed. Um, so talk to us you know 17 folks talk to us about some of your like early struggles what was going on there
2: uh, i can highlight a couple of those um we actually came out so first match we wound up having an issue um that we lost communication throughout the match uh second match we came out we guns blazing we played a match with 4188 i think we hit about 10 three-pointers um didn't wind up with a climb in the match for losing part of our drivetrain towards the end but over the next six or seven matches, we had a can issue that uh, was caused by a couple of our programmers fighting with each other um, that caused some enough communication issues that we were able to drive, but we weren't obviously playing to our capacity that we saw in match two, which was incredibly frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just had uh, biggest issues then wind up being with climbing. Uh, we mm-hmm. had some issues deploying consistently, uh, Getting lined up in time. Uh, so, we only cli- climbed the once, maybe twice throughout Quals, but again, yeah. didn't show it was a consistent feature. A, then, a few times in E but not, uh, not, not with the right timing enough, obviously, to, if we had done so, we could have walked away with the victory. But uh, again, this FRC always lends itself to consistency, and that's not something we, we proved we could, uh, were ourselves capable of this last weekend. So, those were some of our main issues this past weekend.
0: Can't outshoot a climb yet. Yeah, you can't ask you to climb yet. Um, so, yeah, that was that was seventeen forty six Otto's weekend. Um, I'm trying to think, there were a few other points. You got anything for us, Thomas?
3: Um, I can't really speak to how the robot performed. I was an observer. I am an alumna now, mm-hmm. I'm no longer part of the team, unfortunately. As much as would love to be, um, but I, as to the alliance selection, it almost felt like. Um so when I was speaking to the forty one eighty eight people that after the first day before auto showed their kick of those last two quotes matches sixteen nine nineteen as most first seeds do, went to them and said, Hey, you know, let's start you know talking how we're going to do this and they almost got stuck, you know, and they couldn't couldn't retreat from that almost yeah, um and it's almost something it has it was something that happened to Otto in twenty sixteen at Columbus where you know, G3 looked good. All of a sudden, one eighty eight went on a tear in the last couple matches. We didn't see it because we already picked picked y'all before alliance selection, and then we lost to the 41 4188 alliance. And then, um, the and then them not being picked by 7104, I felt that was just um, they're a newer team on the block, and it was just inexperience. I think they just looked up on the board, and I, frankly, and probably very wrong, just said those guys are next in line, 883. And 883 isn't that bad of a robot, and quite, quite good, as we we'll talked to earlier, but that, that's why they fell so low.
0: Yeah, and you actually brought up an interesting point about, you know, talking about teams, about alliances before it's really time and all the cards have been played, right? Um, this is one of those things, when I used to be a mentor, I like really tried to keep this information as close and as late as possible, right? Because you get into those traps of talking to teams way too early right you you get your hopes up and then when the competition turns you feel almost emotionally obliged to go down that route right but what i saw with other teams is when you start when you start discussions about like hey we're going to partner up the next discussion is okay who are we going to go with next what are the strategies we're going to and when you start having those discussions you show your hands right you show some of your cards you talk about teams that might be under the radar and That has actually coming back to bit one of my teams and pretty hard in the butt in the past, right? It's like, we were talking to a team, we had a pick picked out that we really liked, then both of us dropped in the rankings and they were really low and they picked up that pick on the way back. So that was, you know, that was not a good experience. So I would encourage teams to kind of be a little more mature, I think would be the word, when you get high in the rankings, right? So, you know, don't jump the gun, have discussions, but keep, you know, Keep teams at an arm's length. Um, all right. So that was Otto. They struggled early. They came out and were finalists at Gainesville. My last question about Otto uh, so, Kellen. Brand new robot for Carrollton: well,
2: Oh yeah whatever. burn it to the ground and build it back up. Uh, but uh, seriously though uh, we're, we're incredibly enthused with the the robot we have to start the season i think uh, and I, I think I mentioned this on the reveal night that this is the most correct pieces we've gotten early uh, in the season. obviously, we have some kinks to work out, but climbing being the biggest one for just making that the most consistent thing in the world, but um, with what we were able to accomplish for uh, shooting power cells. Uh, it, was, it was awesome to see the matches where we're shooting at 100%. Um, yeah, I think we've got some tweaking and tuning to do. A lot of things, sm- smaller improvements to make. Uh, again, climbing being the biggest biggest mm-hmm. thing. But, yeah, happy with where we're going from here. we uh, got a few weeks until Carrollton. And access to the competition robot for three weeks is a yeah. fantastic thing. Instead of having to make... Improvements on your practice bot, and then tear them off, and then load them all onto your competition robot during load-in period to get mm-hmm. inspected in a rushed manner. To then try to get it to work at the event, uh, it's it'll be real nice having those three weeks to improve our bot and bring that robot to Carrollton.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, well, we look forward to seeing what you guys do or don't do at Carrollton. Carrollton's going to be a juggernaut of an event, but that's that's for a future show. And so now I'd like to pivot a little bit off of individual teams and talk about kind of like every everybots and like kind of like the low port robots, right? So as far as everybots were concerned, I think we had three teams that were specifically the Everybot design, right? We had 1261, uh, 3344, and 1225. And there were, you know, among those three teams, there were like a few low bots and forty one eighty nine sort of stands out as the Alliance captain, finalist. Um, so you know what do you guys think do you like how are these teams changing the game? Do you think some of these teams made a good call, bad call? thoughts I liked the
1: amount of every bots that we had out there. Maybe should have been a little more, but like the ones that did it well were really effective and changed the game, especially for like an alliance like ours forty one eighty nine fed us a bunch of balls they we were able to do the buddy ball autonomous, which was one of the coolest things, the uh, coolest experiences this weekend was developing that with them. But then, then look at twelve sixty one. Right, they handled, according to the data, right? The, they handled the highest volume of game pieces the entire weekend, and we're just doing those quick uh, five ball cycles with their every bot. Yeah, and those add up.
0: Yeah, and I think it's not much of like a hot take to say. I think twelve sixty one is the best every bot on the field right now. Um, it's hard to say where they're Dominance is coming from like compared to all the other everybots. Maybe it's just a little more practice a little more refined Maybe
3: I think it's more Experience um at that having a robot at the highest level of play and having mentors there because I'm Harkening back to 2016 they were the best robot in the state that year And I think just having the resources to pull back it from it previous experiences that that is what's really setting them above um, You know,
0: it's interesting. You mentioned that because this was a discussion that like we were having a little earlier is like I am happy, like as a 1261 alumni and knowing some of the things they've been going through over the past couple seasons. I'm happy to see their program in a positive light, right? That they've you know, had some success and they're looking to build on it. But I'm a little, I'm a little torn as to whether 1261 should have built the EveryBot, right? Like, if 1261 had built a low port robot that did just as well, I think it would have been better than if they had built the EveryBot, right? EveryBot is. You know, it's four teams that are a little bit lower resource, they don't have as much you know, that, that experience to draw off. So I don't mind that they did well. I just have a little bit of an issue with, you know, it's like they're like, OK, well, we'll just build the everybot and we'll go out and compete. Right? So what do you guys think? Do you think they sort of pulled back a little too far by just building an every bot, Or do you think they were kind of justified?
2: I think it can be tricky. Uh, it's- it's hard to be on the outside looking in and mm-hmm. make, make some criticisms, um, but you'd like to think that teams have a, a good awareness of what their resources are, how to not overextend, how to and of reach for some things that are just beyond their grasp so they have to uh, learn a bit in order to reach that goal. Um, obviously, uh, 1261s kind of almost hit their ceiling at this point. I'm yeah. curious where they go from here. But I think, again, looking at the schedule, their next event's Albany, so they uh, have – Four weeks from now, that I'd be curious to see what they work on. Uh, obviously, they have the autonomous award uh, from Gainesville uh, for being, again, a remarkably consistent robot there. Um, yeah, interested in seeing where they go from here.
0: So let's like open that question up to you know the whole group. Is so twelve sixty one is a peak every bot, right? Like they are hitting that ceiling or they're coming very close. But I think a lot of other teams, especially maybe some of the southern teams, are going to hit the every bot. And they're going to hit that ceiling. Where do the teams go after they hit the ceiling? Like do you guys see any hardware changes? Is it all about autonomous? What do they do next? Well,
1: so that's where I think you the highest ceiling is really like autonomous. So you can do some pretty cool if you don't have a shooter that's doing padding and getting those six balls right. You can really make a four be a force and autonomous, do your three ball dump or back up, get those two balls dump. You can do the same pathing stuff that shooters do, but just with the local, and still get those points. And I think that's like the next, like next step of capability that I think we'll see out of teams that uh, have mastered the everybot as of now is just getting that autonomous and then working with like other shooters to do like the buddy uh, autonomous, like we
0: did. Yeah. Well, one thing, so actually we'll come back to the buddy thing. One improvement that I saw 1261 make is that they actually removed the climber that was on the every bot and they were able to go under the trench, which I think was a huge deal for them. But I think the buddy feeder is a really good point because you have a lot of teams like 16 and 19 that will be able to do those three-pointers, but not a lot of teams that will be able to go into the trench or drop off the threes, right? I think doing buddies and picking up more points and picking up more fuel cells will, will really help
3: there. And I think we'll see at the highest levels of play where the every bot point values of going to the low goal starts to depreciate. I think we'll see the, them just start ball funneling to make cycle times faster for the low goal, for the high goal shooters, sorry, like what 4189 did for 1746 and Elims. I mm. think that is, that is at the highest level of play. I think that's the way every bot is going to end up having to play the game.
2: And talking about those ceilings at this point, I think it's important for those teams, obviously, because 1261 is great at climbing, great at scoring low goals, great at picking up, feeding, or getting balls where they need to, but you kind of got to look at where those opportunities are. Um, So if you you have an everybody out there, instead of waiting until eliminations like we did with 4189 to develop that that three-ball pass, start working on it now, get ready for next event.
0: Yeah. Actually... Since you 1261 1261's great at everything, this is my rant into something that they were really not great at, right? if you want to show the video. So, what you'll notice in the video and... Let me try and pull it up real quick. Yeah. So, okay, so notice what's going to happen here, right? 1261... Are we trying to do the climb or what? No, 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 this is just the intaking. It was queued up, okay. Uh, yeah, so like watch right here, right? 1261 just scored three. And they're kind of looking for some more fuel cells, right? And they're going to go across the field, and they're going to pick a couple up. But look at what's happening right next to the scoring station, right? That opposing team's human player is forced to take those balls and put them back onto the field, right? Because you have to remember, the human players have a limit to how many fuel uh, power cells they can hold behind their station, right? So, so right here specifically, 1261 has a massive power cells right there. And they're like, you know what? We're going to go all the way across the field. And this was one match in particular. Look at that sea of just countless fuel power cells. That they're like, you know what? We're going to ignore these, and we're going to go find some else, right? Now, in this specific match, you have the blue robots kind of hunting around. So you can understand a little bit of apprehension. But this happened in a lot of matches, right? That there were maybe a handful over by the opposing teams loading station, and 1261 was like, "Uh, no, we're just going to go somewhere else. Right? I think this feedback loop that quickly develops once teams start scoring is something that teams aren't really taking advantage of right now, right? And especially a team like 1261 that scores two cycles in no time, right? Their their feedback loop starts very quickly, right? So I think one of the things I can do to improve is just start picking up those balls that are right next to the scoring station.
2: Yeah, you got to play a little little bit of a game of chicken, uh, yeah. just to get in there as fast as you can get out before those blue robots come after you. But that'll if you can steal those power cells, it's a big game changer. For then, if you have offensive robots on that other lines trying to use those game pieces, that instead you just have them uh, there and ready for your lines. But yeah,
0: and. And it's one of those things that as the game develops, and Thomas, like you said, like, like one point's going to really diminish in like total value, maybe you take those power cells and you don't score them, but you drop them off in the trench, right? So a 1746 is coming back from their cycle, they shoot their six, then instead of them having to go all the way back, they can pick up those, those few that are in the trench and shoot them off as well, right? But... I think this was a huge opportunity for 1261. I have not yelled at my screen at a match in a very long time, but I was like, what is going on here? Um, so hopefully 1261's watching. If not, somebody send this to their coach and their drive team and let's get these feedback loops going because I think that's really going help to their, help their overall offensive output. All right. It's a free tip, free tip, all right. <laughs> so moving on from the low bots and every bots in 1261, we're gonna talk about some of like the rising teams that we saw at Gainesville, right? I think one of the things that Nobag has allowed is it's allowed teams that would have typically had to stop and then had to restart at Gainesville and you know work hard to tune their machines, now they can just keep going. And they show up at Gainesville with a robot that's actually pretty decent, right? So two teams in particular, you have 8083, uh, ALX Robotics, and 7104, the bot brothers, right? Yeah. And they actually ended up on the same alliance, the, the third seed, and got to the semifinals. So what did you guys think about these robots?
1: I was very impressed with eighty eighty three, especially as a rookie bot. Like, they were out there shooting in, uh, with an autonomous in their very first match and putting up points in their very first match. So just to come out that strong, being a rookie team, and just, like, you're not just, like, doing one point here and there. You're, like... Actively shooting, sometimes making threes, and they even had like kind of they they had they climbed a little bit, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So even having a climber like that is really impressive as a rookie rookie team coming out there. And week one, Gainesville, you got to credit No Bag for really allowing that to happen too.
2: Yeah, eighty eighty three came across uh, from our scouting numbers as one of the strongest robots at the event, kind of rivaling those other top tier. Robots for shooting and then just consistently hanging almost every time, and that showed off that or showed in their capability of ranking so high. Um, I'd offer a couple of critiques or uh, areas that they could improve. Um, at least when we played them in semifinals uh, and played against the both of them in semifinals for eighty eighty three and 74, 104 um, is just figure out where you can uh, get a safe shot uh, where you're not uh, as easily defended. Um, and then, particularly for 8083, see if you can see if you can't find a uh, room for uh, two additional power cells in your robot. Because when you do get lined up to shoot and you start shooting, you get a little bit more value about uh, getting that those five shots off instead of the three. But with all that being said, uh, uh, again, fantastic first performance for a rookie team and the, the 8083 robot.
0: Yeah, one thing that might be challenging for 8083 is I don't think their shooter like rotates at all. So I don't know if going to the trench is simply changing the power on their machine or if they need to actually like retune their shot a little bit. Yeah. So that could be
3: a bit of a challenge. And something that eighty-eighty-three, I was most impressed by, is how accurate they have no active vision tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, if you noticed, their vision tracking was they just had a really bright flashlight and they just put that wherever they wanted the ball to go. And I think the fact that their drivers were that good at shooting without a limelight to help them is, adds to how impressive that robot is.
0: You know, Thomas, that light aiming thing is like the OG vision tracking, well, right? see, that's like, unlike, it's like back Well, the see, unlike day. you
3: people, I was, I grew up in the vision tracking era with the pixie <laughs> cams and the limelights. You know, and back like,
0: in my day, we didn't have these fancy Rios and, you know, we yeah. had an
3: IFI microcontroller,
0: you know? Yeah. And um, the dinosaurs like, from the earth. Yeah, I know. Um, but. Yeah, I would even argue that for a lot of the shots for drivers that are using limelights, having the ability to come up, line up that robot really quickly, like visually on the field, and just go is going to be faster than most vision solutions. I say most because you have like crazy turrets and you have teams that will really hit that performance edge, right? But I think for a team like 8083, and I would say a majority of other teams, having a light that helps them aim to center is going to be the best solution for them. Yeah. Um,
1: all right, and, 71 of four. Yeah, so go ahead. Just quickly on that point. In 2012, the three world champions, right, none of them had a camera aiming system. They all just used a flashlight to aim, yeah. and they won that.
3: I imagine he, that may Wasn't that ha- also the year that Einstein got hacked, so all the teams that had vision tracking didn't work?
1: They still got out of their division with just flashlights.
0: Yeah, so... Yeah, it was really weird to watch 548 like run this past weekend. I was like, oh, man, it takes me back. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so I think one of the questions I had about these teams is, you know, they're rising, they were able to show up at Gainesville. Do you think they have what it takes to stay competitive at district championships?
2: Uh, I think their current skill sets are going to continue to serve them well in qualification matches. Uh, again, based on the, the feedback I gave, I think it's going to be crucial for those robots them to continue developing certain skills uh, to maintain that position. The other robots in the district are just going to keep improving those skill sets, so they got to kind of keep up that pace. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, interesting in seeing what improvements they come up with. Yeah, I could see
1: like I could see them just doing really well in qualifications in general, just with consistent climbing. And then um, 7104, they have a four-ball capacity and they actually index it, so if they improve their intake a little bit, I could see them like being an effective force, but then, again, they run into the same issue as 883 83 in that they don't really have a protected shot. So once defense starts coming, um, they're vulnerable to
0: that. Yeah. My thought is, even if they don't improve significantly, which, it's hard to say what these teams' capabilities are, right? Like, one thing is that they could easily double their capacity and they could go to five balls and they could get a protector shot. Or they could make like marginal improvements, right? I think there is room on these types of team, like for these types of teams on a championship alliance, right? I might not, so for like a first or second seed, you're looking for a third robot, I think you'd be lucky to get one of these teams, right? They can shoot three in autonomous, they can hang with you at the end. Mm -hmm. But if you're thinking about like, a seven or eight seed that's gonna show up, you know i feel like seven eight seeds at championship at district championships are going to be all shooters they're going to be all pretty like upper to mid tier and they're going to be one of those things that might just overwhelm an upper seed with just all three shooting right yeah
2: i think so. that's one of the more interesting developments we'll see once we get to Carrollton and then state champs is how that depth develops at an event and what robots are going to be available later on because we struggled looking at our scouting uh scouting data are scraping together, all right, who, what, who might we be able to get as a, a third robot that can climb at this event?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, which, again, at, at Carrollton, I'm, I'm interested in seeing if we'll have that same issue um, for finding a climber that late in Alliance selection. But, again, really interested in seeing how State Champs uh, plays out, knowing that there will be more capable robots uh, available later on. Yeah, And
3: I think as the events get more deeper, um, I think just in the spectrum of where Georgia is in general, I think Death by Serpentine gets worse just because the eight seed is able to pick up rock sol- or three rock solid team people where at the early events where they aren't so deep, you know, the first seed the top two robots are just able to overpower. But I think at Carrollton and at State where they're deeper events, but you know, not worlds level deep where it, the talent pool is just massive you'll see the 8 seeds start to not necessarily overpower, but start to contest more mm-hmm. with the upper powerhouse favorites that arise.
0: Kellen, it was interesting you said that you're going to be looking for a climber at Carrollton. What a, a scrub thing.
3: Okay.
2: Well, uh, with as
0: many issues... I think, I think top-tier teams make climbers,
3: well, you see, oh, the, new, the new, <laughs> um, the new uh, cheesecake rules, you cannot make a climber for another team, but you can make a balancing mechanism that helps them climb.
2: Well, that, and it's, it's so much easier working uh, with a team that already has a mechanism and working oh, yeah, on sure, getting sure. that to work instead of trying to develop something brand new to toss on to get to learn how to use within only a match or two's worth of time. Yeah, yeah um, that's,
0: that's not easy, so it's definitely helpful to have, but... I like look at the new cheesecake rules, and I'm just like, there's so much more, there's like so much room for activity still, right?
3: Yeah, and there's and there's loopholes, and I was an inspector at this last event, so uh, hopefully I don't get in trouble for saying this, but the way the rules are worded is very vague and ambiguous, because their definition is, a team cannot provide a major mechanism to another.
0: You know, you, you say vague and vague and ambiguous, but my experience with the inspectors at like in our district has been vague and ambiguous is gonna be what like gets you, so. Yeah, like,
3: mm-hmm. but I, it.
0: I would take a very strict definition, but I would say you don't, I'll just say this and we're gonna move on, is that you don't need to provide a full, complete mechanism to a team to get them to climb. No. Right? There are ways to help them climb, there are ways yeah. to get them up in the air, and on that note we're gonna move on and let teams mull that meta. Um, so we're gonna pivot a little bit to Dalton, right? And we saw how important climbs were last week at Gainesville. What do you guys think the climbing dynamic is going to be at Dalton? I think
1: climbs are going to rule the game, just like they did at Gainesville. Like, it's just so many, what? We have 40, 40 points, points for one robot and balance to the center, 65 mm-hmm. for two and balanced. That's just, yeah, how, that's, that's like, like 30, 30 power, power cells in the two-point goal, uh, the 60 points. like.
2: Yeah, we, we joked at Gainesville much. while we were struggling climbing well, maybe we can just outshoot it. But obviously that didn't work out <laughs> quite well we enough in, in finals. Uh, it's just, a, it's just so, such a valuable skill to have. So if, if teams are still working on the robot, do as much as you can to have a consistent climb ready by your event, and it'll, it'll really pay off.
0: Yeah. One of the things is that at Gainesville for the elimination alliances that won, About 50% of their points came from climbs, right? So that's just something for teams to think about is, you know, you can develop your shooting and get that percentage of points from climb down, but those climb points are static. You're always gonna be able to get them, so there's no reason really not to. Another consideration at games at Dalton is, Dalton is a relatively shallow event, right? So it's not super shallow and we haven't seen some of the teams show up, but I almost wonder if Say forty nine ten and Walton show up and they absolutely you know, blow teams away, right? Is climbing really going to be that big of a deal? Like, if they show up and they just blow everybody out of the water, what, like, what matters if you can climb? Well, it's then, kind of a weird question to ask, but go ahead.
1: Well, that's where I think if you, have a solid, if you can get a triple climb, you could maybe counteract any like, power cell um, dominance that they have just mm-hmm. because of how valuable climbs are. Um, but it will be tough, right? I think if you have, yeah, if they come out uh, just straight up, gunslinging and lobbing power cell after power cell in, and they can both buddy cl- or both like double climb, it's going to be tough. Yeah.
3: and I think something that we could see at Dalton, like what happened last year with you know 40-26 being the first seed and preventing Walton and uh, Walton and ECR teaming up, is if a team that is able to climb and via that an easier-ish schedule is able to seed first and prevent those two from being together, I think that is what's going to throw a wrench in it. And if you're the first seed, I think the first thing you do, even if those guys are going to say no, is you ask them both to prevent them from being able to pick each other. And I, I hope teams hear this and are able to do that because if those teams get together and they're anything like we expect them to be, it's, it's, it's game over. Yeah. They, they, they'll just win.
1: Well, there are a couple of teams that can
0: challenge them
1: at Dalton.
3: Yeah, so I think the dynamic that's
0: key to remember is this year we don't know, like I expect 49.10 to be like flat good. We don't know what Walton's going to bring. We have teams like 11.02, 17.71. These are just like the names I know off the top of my head, right? There are other teams that can show up. So it's not done and written by any measure, right? But these are the questions I think teams need to start asking themselves, that what happens if these two teams show up and they're really strong, what are we gonna to do to counteract that?
2: And that's for, so teams going to Dalton, if you have a consistent climb and can score, if you're uh, like an every butt that manages to seed higher in the, t- the bottom half of the, the, uh, the top eight, um, have that skill set. make sure you're ready to scout because if you're in that alliance captain position and you can still get a couple of climbers or some other uh, power cell capabilities at that late end of the draft, uh, that can make you a real dangerous alliance for those those top seeds when they struggle to get a third climber on their robot. Mm-hmm. Um, so be ready to scout, get that in, uh, data and information, and be ready to use it. Yeah.
0: One thing, since we talk about playing like the top seeds, is we talk about defense, right? Defense in general. So my opinion about defense at Columbia, at, sorry Gainesville, was that there was a little bit here and there, but I don't think we ever saw one team really do it super effectively. Um, with Dalton, teams have a little more experience. Teams have been able to analyze the flow a little more, and you have, you know, the defense god, seventeen seventy one, taking the field. So, what do you guys think about defense? Do you think it'll show up at Dalton? How can teams do it more effectively at Dalton? What are your thoughts?
3: So, with defense, something I noticed with this year is similar to it, it's. There's a very it's very hard, just with how big the protected zone and where the protected zones are. Mm-hmm. Um, something that teams need to look at, and this is you know, teams should have done. Looking at teams like forty-one eighty-eight, is instead of trying to hit them at the pat at the point in which they're trying to shoot, is make sure they don't get there. And there are zones in the field that all robots, where with forty-one eighty-eight, if you were on the starting line and were able to stop them on their way from the loading zone to the trench you know, they couldn't shoot. Yeah. Um, so I think teams just have to be smarter in that regard. Um, and then I don't think 1771 is going to be the defense gods that they were last year because Luis is no longer driving for them. He He's ungraduated.
0: You know, that, that's an interesting point. I, I will say you can – there are specific teams that are competitive the entire time, right? So, like, take, take 1678, for example, right? Yeah. I think yeah. they have new drivers almost every season. So – they are competitive not necessarily because of the person that's driving, it's because of the structure that's behind them, right? Specifically, uh, what's 16, Michael Corsetto? Yeah, right? Corsetto,
1: you
3: the know, the man who broke my dreams.
0: <laughs> so, you know, he's a great mentor, but they have a larger program. And so when I look at 1771, they have Chris Wilson, right? Chris Wilson is he's a beast in, like, multiple ways. And specifically, he has, like, a savagery for robotics driving that's Hard, hardly seen in other coaches. He's a madman. Yeah. So the driver's graduated. That's good to know. That that does not like make me feel better at the yeah. least. I still
2: right? I still wouldn't want to be on the other side of the field if they're if they're playing defense. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, it's interesting that you mentioned like blocking 4188 at the at like the feeding port, right? One thing I think teams are missing is that there are multiple points which you can do defense in that zone. So once when forty one eighty eight is going to, to to the loading zone, but then once when they're coming back to their trench, you know. Yeah. Like I think last year first had zero safe zones. I think that was a mistake. Well not zero, but none around the scoring areas. This year I think the choke points are maybe a little too small. So defense is having a lot of trouble, which is a great offensive game. But I think defensive teams need to really, really kick it up a notch. That's where, like, I think you're going to
1: start seeing some more strategies like what uh, the number one seed did at Gainesville with 68-29 was they put a blocker on them. And if you saw, if you watched finals match one, they blocked a couple of our shots. Now, we adjusted a little bit, but I think that's still a valid way of doing defense. Even if, like, a robot just stays kind of safe in their protected zone, you can try and put a blocker. You can get creative with the whole, like, 12-inch rule and things like that. Blockers are so. Well, so another thing is like if you have a camera on your turret, right, and you block vision to the goal, you block their ability to aim. So it's not just blocking the shots, but blocking their ability to aim.
2: It's all about knowing your opponent. Uh, Either blocking vision tracking, uh, otherwise, knowing where their sweet spots are. If they have multiple, how do you stop them from getting there? uh predicting what strategy the other alliance is going to use so you can thwart it as easily as possible by either cutting them off or if they're shooting from a non-protected zone just sit there and don't let them get it
0: yeah i just never really subscribed to the whole blocker mentality like taking you guys right so they blocked a couple of shots and they might have blocked some of your vision but it didn't really have too much of an impact
3: and they also gave up 30 points and fouls that first match and then 15 points the next so
0: so not not super effective i think about the other side that if you were playing sort of like that zone defense that thomas was talking about that you guys were going back to the human player station
2: a couple of times but we also were implementing a strategy and this kind of adds into this discussion is how do you balance the playing defense or not is that 4189 was kind of playing a role where they again depending on which alliance we were playing but they'd go between the role of playing a little bit defense knocking the opponents around but at the same time then picking up uh, power cells where they could and dumping them in our trench so we Mm -hmm. had balls or then power cells ready to use. Um, So kind of playing that dual role uh, while keeping us in a safe spot where we can both pick up power cells in a safe zone but also shoot them from that safe zone, so yeah.
0: yeah. So, I don't know, I think the blocker thing was interesting, it was very creative I think to do that in a short time. I just feel a little bit stronger about good zone defense, right? Yeah. Especially if you're able to hit teams when they're transitioning between, like, safe zones and, like, those, those like, specific pick-up and shooting zones. Um, that, that might just be my, like, personal,
2: I guess, naivete coming into play. Like, I don't think well, it's a naive take. So I think I think there's an interesting point here to be made. Uh, I, I hadn't, wasn't present for the conversation, but apparently one of the mentors for 4188 was doing some or had some discussion with uh, one of our team members before alliance selection. But was asking where we shot from in the trench. Uh, that kind of then seemingly factored into how 6829 was playing defense. So I don't know if that block was added specifically, knowing that they might run into us, us eventually as one of those a uh, few short bots. But. Um, yeah, just that I think the response to the question was that we shot nearly from the front of the trench, which is where sixty-eight twenty-nine got those blocks on us. Fortunately, we had the, that that same set shot. We're able to score from a little bit further back in the trench, and we're able to fall back on that. But should that front of the trench shot been our only shot, a safe shot, that sixty-eight twenty-nine defense would have worked flawlessly. That we wouldn't have been able to shoot. So I'm curious,
0: sixty-eight twenty-nine. It looked to me at times was pretty close to the trench, like almost to the point that if they were a little bit more forward, they actually might have been in your trench.
2: And that's where we, we did get a, or one or two penalties, I mm-hmm. believe. Uh, our uh, third bot then kind of played, af- after their intake broke a little bit, um, they wound up shifting to play some counter defense, yeah. uh, but that resulted in some of that contact getting near, uh, pretty close to our trench.
0: Yeah, so I kind of wonder if, like, maybe teams like you guys, and I think you did it in one of the matches, but should be a little bit more aggressive about creating that space, you know? So, like 4188, I think they have a pretty like subtle intake, right? It's like just that one roller. But if they were to come out, you know, they have 12 inches of space in front to still be legal. Yeah. So if they come out with a 12 inch extension and it's like, haha, you can't touch us, you know, why not take all that space, right? And mm-hmm. just make it that much harder to play defense. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's that's something offensive teams can think about. Is, you know, how do we create more space for ourselves?
1: I just mm-hmm. want to pull up one example from, like, yeah. L.A. Uh, North region. L.A. North? That doesn't yeah. sound like Gainesville. It's not. So but I just want to see, show you this one move uh, against 973, who have an amazing shot. But there are a lot of tall robots this year in Peachtree. And, like, you can kind of see, like, this one blue team is just kind of boxing them out from this supply of power cells. And that's kind of like an effective zone D that they're kind of making there. Mm-hmm. It's just... Well obviously this blue team then goes and uh, runs into some other issues, but they just kind of follow 973, but try and prevent them from picking up those power cells here.
0: Yeah, picking up the power cells, but also 973 has a sweet spot, like kind of right right out in front, out in the open, that no reasonable team is ever going to give you. So I think it took a little bit of time for them to pivot out of that, like we're going to shoot from here and try to go, need to go to the trench right here, finally.
2: Yeah, so if, if that is your shot right on that line, you've got to get it off as fast as you can before those defenders get to you. Yeah, Honestly,
0: even if you... Say you can do it very, very quickly, right? When you come to eliminations, there's going to be a defender's job to be on
2: you. Yeah, right? yeah like, we're just going to stay here and not let you get it. Yeah, so it's... I think it's good that teams have
0: lined up that, like, initiation line shot and gotten it working and being able to show it off. I just think that they need... They need something else. They like, need a new trick up their sleeves if they're going to compete or stay competitive.
2: Yeah, just like we were talking about 1261 and expanding that skill set. Yeah. If you're that, in that role, uh, be creative, figure out how you can add value.
0: For sure, all right. So with 10 minutes left, we're going to go to Dalton picks of the week, right? So we have enough time this week to do sort of like your one big major pick and one like dark horse you know, shadow pick, right? So we're going to first go around and do major picks. Then we're going to go around and do shadow picks. We're going to go backwards. So it's going to be serpentine. Okay. <laughs> All right, Anupam, who's your first major standout
1: pick? I'm going to go with one of the obvious ones. Last year's uh, district, PG District State Champions, uh, Walton Robotics, Team 2974. Um, this past off season, they worked with some path planning stuff um, and beta tested the WPI Live path planning things. So I'm kind of excited to see what autonomous mode they bring to the table. Because I think you can do a lot of cool, crazy autonomous modes with padding this year. And I want to see them
2: unveil one of those.
0: You can't have a good autonomous if you can't intake. <laughs> and, and they still have to prove that they can do that this year.
2: Give them a little two-finger flip-up and they'll work their magic. Yeah. <laughs> that
3: year, 2016, was stupid. It yeah. should not have worked as well as it did. It oh. did. If stupid works. <laughs> yeah. Keep it simple. Um, All right, Thomas, who's your who's your major um, pick? My pick is going to be 4910. Um, yeah. I got to speak with a couple um, of their people that were volunteering at the event. And they seemed very, very excited for what the robot has to come. And if you uh, follow them on Instagram, they posted a video of them shooting. You don't see the robot, you just see the shot. Someone could have been throwing it, but it, it looks quite impressive. Fast. Was it fast? It was fast, man. Oh, wow. Okay. Fast. Good to know. <laughs>
2: That's an interesting point on 4910. I think they actually had a full-on scouting crew at Gainesville for And
3: they were also making bumpers for like
2: half the teams. So yeah. So even if you're not playing early, it's good to show up early. So yep. Good to get pick up those uh, tricks of the trade early in the season. All right.
0: Um, I'll go with
2: I'll go with 1102. I think they've had uh, one of the strongest bots in the the district the last two years, and I'm I'm curious to see uh, with the. We've seen a couple bots struggle so far uh, with the uh, I'll still call it the Wheel of Death. I uh, Forget what the, the other terminology is for it, but the rotating uh, hopper I'm curious I'm curious to see how they do with it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll see how, if they can maintain that streak of being one of the top bots.
0: All right, I'm going to round out this quadro with 1771. I don't think anybody's really surprised, you know. Yeah. I don't expect them to have like a very easy going. Right, but I think they're going to be in the finals. Right? Somewhat, somehow, somewhere, or another, I think they're going to be in the finals. I think they're going to have at least a few matches where they're like, "Forget this. We're going full defense and just lock down the other line." Right? Yeah,
1: um, they've been this kind of good at these shooting games,
0: and like the like way back when. Yeah, way back when. But that was there was also a couple of mentors ago, and but Chris Wilson, the mentor for the team now, was what was around back then. So yeah. you can see some of those influences in their current design. Um, but having that experience and pulling it off, you know, it's two different things. So I think when it comes to, all I know is I think they're gonna be in it at the end. Then they're gonna draw on foul and lose. So that's my prediction, all right? Um, they don't have
3: G20 to hurt them this year.
0: Uh, but they have so many other things. <laughs> they don't need G20 to hurt themselves. Okay, so my sort of sneaky shadow pick is gonna be 7514 Eve Robotics. Yeah, that, this is why we do so <laughs> so I don't get done over every time. Okay. So last year, seventy-five fourteen fielded a pretty, a pretty aggressive cargo bot, right? So all it was was a low cargo bot, and I think they had mechanisms, too, if I vaguely remember, I guess, no?
3: don't think so. I think they were the standard three traction okay. wheel.
0: So they had standard drivetrain, and, you know, they were quick, and I think people really didn't pay attention to them at, at their first event. But by the time they got to the second event and district championships, I think they were well-known, they were super effective, and they could handle defense, right? So not, not really playing defense, but being played defense against. And that was huge for other teams who needed a little bit of relief from the defense. So I really hope that you know, now this is their second year, and I think the real testament is what do they do, right? I think there's always that pull to build something even bigger and better. I hope they take an incremental step and really do kind of like a low port robot that's quick that maybe has some few more bells and whistles that can obviously climb this year. Mm -hmm. Um, If we see that from them, they're gonna have another fantastic season. They're gonna be great at Dalton. If we don't see that from them, hopefully they're able to get it tuned in and ready to go by their second event in district championships.
2: Uh, since you stole my pick, I'm going to go with another one that's in a very similar uh, skill set, very similar situation. As 7514 uh, is going to be 7449 Lithium Robotics, um, another real, really strong uh, rookie robot last year for being great at cargo. Um, we actually got to play against them at Forsyth. Um,
3: they were also with Eve. It was them and Eve together. Exactly.
2: So yeah, a couple of those rookies pairing up with a, a real strong rookie showing. Um, Uh, Yeah, interested in seeing what they kind of reach for. I'm always a fan of kind of uh, wherever wherever you set your standard, make sure you have to reach a little bit to get it at least uh, so you kind of extend that skill set. But I'm curious what they come out out with this upcoming weekend in Dalton.
0: All right, Thomas, what do you got for us?
2: Uh, My pick is 6705. Frankly,
3: I'm very surprised that I'm saying they're a dark horse this year. the, the two years prior, in 2017 and 2018, they were one of the best robots in the state. Um, last year, unfortunately, they took a step back. And I'm really hoping that they go back and start trying to claim their spot at the top once again.
0: You know, I would argue, so I think with 6 or seven to 7 5, the thing that changed is that the RoboJackets, the team, like the program that runs robotics out of Georgia Tech, withdrew their support. Not like withdrew, but they decided to refocus and they don't have as much, right? Yeah. So, I think for a program, it's really important to be able to gauge what you can do and what you can't do. And when a major organization pulls back their support, the dynamics change. So for 6705, I do not want to see them go back on top. I would much rather see them become competitive at the low port or become competitive at like a really focused thing, right? Because that's going to do much more for them than trying to build a 1746 clone and just falling flat on their face. Yeah, it's not going to help anybody, but yeah, that's, that's a good pick. No bomb. So this
1: was tough. Um, I wanted to choose um, I wanted to choose seventy four fifty one, but I'm going to go with thirteen eleven just because we've seen seventy four fifty one in reveal night and their capability as a low goal and a climber, but I think thirteen eleven is going to take it up, uh, bring the heat this time at Dalton. Right. So last year they started uh, kind of OK, but then they really, really rose up in the ranks. And they by the time district champs and world champs got around, they were really firing on all cylinders, doing really well. So I think they carry that momentum this year and kind of come out strong. Right. They they seem to have uh, gained some programming knowledge and experience uh, through some mentors and students. Um, apparently they were working on some really cool uh, vision stuff over the off season. So I want to see them come out, and I think they're going to surprise some people with either some autonomous routines or, like, tracking yeah. with a turret.
0: I wonder how long Kel can maintain whatever they have going on, right? Because it's going to be a little weird to say, but awards and, like, achievements sort of drive a program forward, right? It keeps sponsorship money coming in and things like, and it keeps students engaged and things like that. Last season, they won the Spirit Award, right, which is not bad at all but um you know are they going to be able to hang on for like the four or five years until they can get back in the chairman's game
2: that's where i think i for talking to them i I think a couple of their uh mentors last year at world champs um they actually had some uh alumni i don't know if they'd been out of the game for a few years but they had just rejoined last year so Mm. i think that had some impact on the, the strength of their robot last year again one of the their best in recent history, but I'm, yeah, again, curious to see if that and, that maintains an improves. And to speak their to their
3: alumni coming back and talking with them to see if I could work with them. Um, this last season, stuff didn't work out because I don't have a car, um, but you know, the important automobile. Um, but they are they have rules set in place similar to how auto. I can't, you know, they say wait a year and then you can come back and work. Well, they take that up a notch to where they say if you were on the team previously, you have to wait till all previous NIM members cycle out. And oh, then you so can come back. That's
0: like three years at least,
3: right? That's four. The yeah. oh, people yeah. that were freshmen have to be gone yeah. by the time yeah. you're there.
0: Okay. No, that's, that's pretty aggressive. But I do understand that mentality, yeah, it so yeah. makes sense.
3: Um,
0: okay. And as I look through some of this like, roster, you know, there's, there's quite a few other teams that you know, I don't think they get talked about too frequently, but they're definitely like, top tier. Um, well, not top tier, but they're definitely competitive. Let's see, I'm looking at like 3581s on the list, 4026 we didn't talk about, 4080. I can just keep going and going. So Dalton's really. I think Dalton's going to be a really interesting event to watch. right? Yeah. yeah. And Kellen, you're going to be there, right?
2: Yeah, I'll be uh, FTA-ing for uh, my first regular season volunteering uh, with Georgia First since I've been around, so looking forward to that. Yeah, all right. So if you see me field side, say hello.
0: Any other comments, closing thoughts, questions, concerns? Going once.
1: Uh, I'm just excited to see the playoffs at Dalton. I want to see how rankings shake out. I think quite a few like, low everybots with climbers could shake up the rankings quite a bit. Yeah. So, like, just like in previous years, climbing is valued very highly in these early stages of the game.
0: I want to see 4910. I did not see that video of
3: them when they showed their shot. And
0: now I'm like burning.
3: Should have an Instagram, Sonny. <laughs> sure, I do. I just honestly do. don't follow the right people. You just
0: okay. All right. I I get that. <laughs>
3: sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not
0: hip with it,
2: Thomas. <laughs> yeah. My interesting point is, and something I've enjoyed since I've been doing first, is showing up to an event. And obviously, everybody gets the same like materials and game challenge at kickoff. But when you show up to an event, you get to see all the solutions to the same problem in the same place. So I'm, uh, got to see the 36 or however many teams were at Gainesville this past weekend, th- that many solutions, but curious to see uh, almost entirely new uh, set of solutions to that same problem this upcoming weekend. It's always interesting to see unique Speaking robots of, pop up. But.
1: Speaking of unique, one team in Dalton this year, for 5,900, had one of the most unique climbs ever last year, where they went from uh, stage one to stage two, then stage two to stage three, with some cool uh, pneumatic cylinder actuations. I want to see if they uh, keep up that streak of unique climbs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, f- I think the Fighting Mongoose is like, that's like one of the hometown, like real teams sponsored by like, Shaw Carpets, which like really supports that event. So they should, they should have a good showing as well. All right. All right. So, with no more closing thoughts on that note, I think we're going to end the show. Thank you for joining us this evening or yeah. morning or whenever you're watching this.